you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the big show. And the Iron Lady sings it. That makes it official. Welcome, welcome, welcome. As always, we have the most smartest people, the brilliant minds of the Chris Voss Show. The CEOs, the billionaires, the White House presidential advisors, the Pulitzer Prize winners, the astronauts, the all the people who bring their brilliant minds and stories to life and to help enlighten you, entertain you, and all that great stuff. We have an amazing author on the show with us today. We're going to be talking about her newest book that comes out April 16th, 2024. It's called The Band. It's a novel by Christine McKellams. She joins us on the show, and we'll be talking about all of the wonderful stuff that went into it. She is a Harvard-trained cultural psychologist, pushcart-nominated fiction writer, and first-generation American. Her work and writing have appeared in HuffPost, Chicago Tribune, Catapult, Sal- Catapult Salon, The Wall Street Journal, The Rumpus, and much more. The band is her first novel, and you can find her in person at one of the California's coastal cities or online. Welcome to the show, Christine. How are you? Pretty good. I'm super excited to be here. Super excited to have you as well. Congratulations on the new book. Give us your .com. Where do you want people to find you on the interwebs? So my website is just my name, so Christine Ma-K-E-L-L-A-M-S, so MaKellums.com. So I have all my socials linked there and like the stuff about the book, the bio, everything. There you go. So give us a 30,000 overview of your new book and what's inside. Yeah. So in a nutshell, my book is essentially about this K-pop boy bander who finds himself canceled after he releases this like viral song that judges all old ethnic rivalries between East Asia's three superpowers, like China, Korea, and Japan. Mm -hmm. So he ends up escaping to America to hide in the McMansion of a American therapist he meets at like the grocery store. And essentially it follows what all the sort of disruptions that happen afterwards as his band ends up like confronting the fandom in these like increasingly violent interactions that end up changing the music industry. Wow. This sounds like quite the adventure that, that it goes on and everything else. What, what, what rooted you in some of the plot to this? What, what, where, where did you come up with it or what was the influence for it? Yeah, so I originally started writing this book a couple of years ago, right around the same time that I discovered K. I mean, discovered is in quotes, right? Because obviously K-pop has been around forever. But I personally did not really know that much about K-pop until uh-huh. about three years ago, right around 2020. So when I discovered K-pop, thanks to BTS and like Saturday Night Live and the James Corden show, it really just opened up this whole new world. Like I'd always been a music fan, like growing up, like every other teeny bobby girl, like I followed all the like boy bands of the 90s and early aughts. <laughs> But I didn't know what K-pop was like. And when I found out, I realized they're like an entirely different animal than even the like American fandoms and like American music acts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of sort of a lot of like things that actually has happened in K-pop, not necessarily like direct events, but a lot of sort of the shenanigans that have gone on in the world of K-pop inspired different bits and pieces of the novel. There you go. And I guess you're a member of the BTS army as well. 
Yeah, I mean, at this rate, who isn't? But um, yeah, definitely. I love BTS. They're probably like gateway drug into the world of K-pop, and they're probably the I follow the most. Wow, there you go. I'm I, I'm I'm a Metallica classic rock fan, so I haven't I haven't I haven't breached over that bridge to K-pop. So I'll, maybe I'll I'll take a, a gander on your recommendation. Yeah, uh, do it. There you go. Maybe we can get Metallica to pair up with the uh, the BTS folks or the one of the K-pop groups and do a lot of like collaborations. Yeah, they do. They, metal so far, but you know, I feel like yeah, they could. Yeah. <laughs> you could yeah, there's always collaboration, you know, and crossover. I think is what they call it when they go from one genre to another. You know, uh, Beyonce just put out an album that covered like most of the charts. I don't think yeah. she made the K-pop charts, so that's a disappointment. But there's that. It sounds like quite the adventure and a multi-international adventure. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you grow up? When did you kind of first discover your panache for writing? So I grew up in China. I moved to America when I was like fairly mm-hmm. young, when I was five. And it took me a long time to learn English. I don't know if I was just a slow kid or whatever, but I don't think I really spoke and was fluent in English until maybe towards the very end of elementary school, like early middle school. But pretty much ever since I could put two sentences together, in the English language, I've liked writing and I've wanted to write. And it wasn't until fairly recently that I started writing fiction. Mm-hmm. Like, my training is in like social sciences and psychology. And so most of my writing was just in empirical journals and like academic <laughs> stuff like that. It was way more boring. But when I started reading again as an adult, like for mm-hmm. fun, that's when I started like remembering that I really like fiction probably more than I like anything else. And it really just one thing turned to another and now I have a novel. There you go. Congratulations. Yeah. I I pulled up your book list and I was like, wait, she's got a novel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and I mean, you're a Harvard trained cultural psychologist. Mm -hmm. And I I think most of your writing that you've done in, 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 for a lot of these places, it was in the field of psychology, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And and now you're writing novels. You know, I I we have so many great novels that have been on the show, like yourself. And I've often wondered, should I give up nonfiction and you know writing about business, which is kind of boring? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you probably should because I honestly, I mean, I'm a big fan of nonfiction books too. Like I, uh-huh. I read nonfiction. I feel like you can learn a lot from nonfiction. But I also feel like the the skill set you have for writing nonfiction probably translates. So, yeah, it probably does. Yeah, and like the expertise you have in like business and in your own background, like in negotiation and all that, like I feel it would make for a really compelling thriller, you know, and like you have inside knowledge that maybe a lot of writers don't necessarily have. I feel yeah. Like a very compelling story. <laughs> you want to know something funny? I just got a plot for an owl right in my head. No way. <laughs> And it's really good. Yeah. So thank you. I may have to credit you in the book for this. I'll make some notes after the show. But yeah, you just, it just pounded right into my head like a, a novel plot. I would tell it on air, but I'll tell you after. Okay. Yeah. I'll I can't wait. After we go off air, I'll let you run, I'll run it by you. But yeah, I, I think it might be a genre I could write about. Yeah. You, you helped, you helped cue it with your, you know, well, you know, the, the business you're in and et cetera, et cetera. Um, with the band, what what made you fill out the characters in here? The protagonist was it was any was it just characters from your creation, or did do you have any influence of maybe some of the people you've seen in the business? Yeah, you know, if you make it through the book, and the book's not long, but if you make it to the very end, you get to the knowledge myths. You might notice that like BTS is one of the people I acknowledge very early on, uh, like before, like my family and everything, because you're absolutely right. N- not necessarily. I, I don't mean it to be like a direct reflection of any particular 
like real world person. Um, and it's, it's not like a one-on-one like direct reflection, but I think some of the just general like personas that I've sort of observed either among the BTS members themselves or just among like musicians more broadly, like I, I, I'm a big fan of just following celebrity culture. I ever always have been ever since I was a kid. And I don't think what we see as fans from the outside is necessarily a great reflection of, you know, who people are when no one's looking. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think it's interesting, especially now in the world of like social media, where I feel like there's a lot more direct like visibility into how people like, like the stuff they post, like you don't always have to watch them through the guise of a journalist asking them, question right you sometimes you see them posting their own content and i feel like you get a lot better sense of what people how they think and what's going on in their minds so definitely a lot of like actual you know musicians and celebrities inspired like different parts and bits of the novel and the characters in them there you go and one of the characters is a chinese american woman he meets in los angeles mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so is there a bit of you maybe in the book and or maybe just your experience as a chinese american woman i mean there's bits of me in the sense that like the the references she makes about psychology and the stuff she uh-huh. talks about that's purely psychological oh, wow. uh, like those kinds of you know i make references to like psych studies and to you know uh-huh. stuff you know about mental health and you know depression and stuff uh-huh. like that so like those things i obviously have direct access to myself like i teach on those things i tell my students about them and, like those things are probably the most direct reflections of mm-hmm. me and obviously i do live in la i'm i love this particular area of the world yeah. LA gets a bad rap, but like this particular it's, South. It's area. wonderful. I love LA too. I grew up in California. Oh, you do? Yeah, okay, hell, with, hell with, with anybody who doesn't like LA. Really, I mean, I feel like maybe just the people I know. I, I know a lot of people from like the Bay Area, for example, who like hate. Well, screw it, the Bay Area. Give me a break. <laughs> screw those people. Those aren't real people. I like New Yorkers who like despise. LA. Yeah, they're <laughs> just, they're just jealous. They don't have sun. I don't know what well, three hundred and sixty-three days of the year and warm weather and beautiful beaches. I mean, what kind of beaches are there in New York? Screw those people. <laughs> That's true. You probably have to. I don't know. Go to the Hamptons or something. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, like, you know, the parts of like my hometown or like the the area where I live now that you know make cameos in the novel. Those are obviously you know firsthand experiences. Um, oh, so, yeah. and those things definitely, you know, I think a lot of fiction, whether people admit it or not, is auto fiction, right? Like you. You, unless you are just the world's best researcher, which you know a lot of artists are really good at research, I feel like a lot of people are drawing not necessarily in exact events, but in terms mm-hmm. of like locations or feelings or character profiles mm-hmm. they are drawing from their own life. Well, the old saying is what you write what you know, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know yeah. who said that. Maybe I just made it up. Maybe no, but I'm pretty sure someone said that. You write what you know. You know, a lot of novels we have on this show, though, they'll, they'll secretly admit to me in the green room. They'll be like. Yeah, I set this in France so that we could have a budget to go to France and no <laughs> do, do research. So I'm, I'm helping you with your next book, you know, or, you know, we, we had to go to Germany and, uh, you know, see all the expensive places because research, I'm like, I see what's, see what's going on with them budgets there at those uh, Simon <laughs> Schuster and stuff. So there you go. Now, it, you, you mentioned in the, or the book is portrayed as a portrayal of a mental health, public accession, fandom and cancel mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. And I imagine a lot of that's interwoven with your experience as a psychologist and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do any self-reflection to, to, to go, maybe, I, maybe I'm a little too into K-pop? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a little bit. Like, one of the things that, you know, that I think psychologists are becoming mm-hmm. more aware of now that I don't think, because here's the, 
I don't, I don't mean to poo-poo on like psychology, but I, I want to admit that I feel like the social science is always a couple of years behind of what's actually happening. Oh. Like by the time like academics know about it, like it's been mm. around for a long time, right? Like, mm. like for a long time, psychologists were still primarily studying like Facebook and Twitter and not realizing that like the social media landscape has changed so fast so that if you're still studying Facebook and Twitter, I'm not saying that's not useful, but I'm saying that's just like a very tiny portion of what's yeah. really all the action happening. So absolutely, I think, you know, one of the things that I do hear a lot of conversation about, not so much in psychology, but just in, you know, public discussion is like how people's parasocial relationships, like relationships with people that don't actually know, can become mm. like delusional. The Lulu mm. is like a very popular phrase <laughs> thrown around in like social media. And mm. I do think that's super interesting. And I would love to see more studies on it because I think you're absolutely mm. right. It's something, I mean, fundamentally, it is delusional, right? To yeah anything about a famous person you've never met. But I do think it's so pervasive now that we should probably pay more attention to it. And we have to ask, like, why? What is the, maybe the undercurrent behind this? What's the, are there consequences to being like Sometimes. Right? I mean, for years at events, I, we've had people run up to me at shows and be like, the Christmas show! And you're like, security, security. <laughs> I mean, no they, way. They, they come up to you and they, they uh-huh. think that they know you because they've yeah. seen you on her. And I've experienced a little bit of that. But uh, you know, since you're a psychologist, someone in our Facebook groups has posted this. Do you have any idea whether this person is mentally stable or not? Rick Kraft. What the hell? <laughs> I, I can't make sense of this going. <laughs> so I'm just going to leave it. Anyway, I had to give him a tease. So, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, political, there's a lot of fandom. You know, people mm-hmm. worship, you know, these individuals. Sometimes mm-hmm. it gets dangerous or has been dangerous mm-hmm. to some stars or movie or, or things. You know, there's something that I, I think, I think a little bit of healthy fandom is, is good. You know, I, I tend to mm-hmm. buy a lot of Metallica crap. And I, I'm a huge collector of my favorite band. Oh, right. Have you um, met them in person ever? What? Have you met them? Have you? No, I've always wanted to, but okay. uh, you know, I just, I just, uh, the stars never aligned, I guess, but it would be fun. But oh. you know, I, I guess I'm a, I'm a kind of a lazy fan. I haven't quite reached the psychotic level of fandom <laughs> where I'm following them. I, I saw a video one day where they, they said they, they met some fans that say they go to every concert and follow them all around all the concerts. I don't know who's got that kind of money or time, but there you go. I probably would if I had the money. I, probably would. I don't know. I'm a fan. But you know, I, I kind of get it. But man, you see those BTS screaming fans and they remind me of you know i I grew up with the beatles and Mm -hmm. so you would see the girls screaming the beatles audience and Mm -hmm. they would just overwhelm whatever audience they were in and of course you know girls chasing down the street in the (laughs) videos you know just this ah you're just like holy crap yeah i see a lot of or i've heard a lot of comparisons to beatlemania um that's what i originally assumed as well before i really got into k-pop i just thought oh it must just be a really popular fandom in the way that like Mm -hmm. beatles in the 60s and 70s or you know backstreet boys and nsync in the 90s and early aughts but i think one thing you mentioned like political fandoms too i think Mm -hmm. one of the things that is distinctive about k-pop fandoms and like armies and and I don't now the nowadays I've noticed it's not just K-pop. I think it might be expanding to like even like Swifties and other kinds of. Do you think like they're surprisingly organized and strategic? And oh yeah. They do band together to promote causes, right? Like, oh, yeah. it's not just we love these particular people and we admire their music. It's yeah. that if we know that these particular people are also supporting causes, like the fandoms will get together and donate masses of money towards like their band's favorite causes. They'll come together, yeah. you know, during the last presidential election, they like yeah. mess with Trump's like campaign, right. By buying yeah. up 
and not showing up. So I feel like one of the things that may be unique about more modern day fandoms is that they're not just banding together over love of these particular people. They're banding together over like geopolitical or ideological causes. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. super interesting to me. Like I, I could see it going so many different ways. <laughs> Did you watch that during the, the Swifties and the, the NFL and the weird yes. conspiracy things that got yes. crazy? I yes, mean, I was really intrigued by all the like surrounding the Super Bowl and leading up to it. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh my God, I didn't realize that there could be this much extra on top yeah. of it's it's a it's a football game and it's a it's a i mean she's a very talented singer but man i i tell you there's a lot of people afraid of them swifties it's you'll see announcers and stuff talk very nicely about them and like you you don't go against the swifties because they will come at you as an army and uh and and they love their band i mean i mean she's she is a great talented artist i remember watching her when she first started out and just seeing her play solo with an acoustic guitar without you know all this crap that uh, people have nowadays with auto tune and stuff and i'm like damn she's okay she's she's got talent and i think in her early youtube videos she's definitely a power force but yeah seeing the seeing the uh, you know I, the whole thing well she could throw in a whole election in the u.s and mm-hmm. you look at you know she can fill a stadium big i mean she can run for president she can fill a stadium better yeah. than any presidential yeah. can yeah, exactly um, <laughs> so, just take crazy. over, and we'd probably all have to wear her glam outfits. That might be one of the executive orders. <laughs> we don't have to wear tassels and pink, and I don't know. I'd probably go along with it for fun because I, <laughs> I, yeah, I think she's a good artist. But there yeah. you go. But yeah, it's it's interesting to study. Maybe your next book could be studying the fandom of of everything else. What what is? Your, do you have anything else you're working on? Anything next in the queue yet? Are you gonna roll with this and see how it goes? Well, other stuff that I'm working on, like mm-hmm. uh, before I even wrote this novel, I had a whole nother novel that I had written. Mm-hmm. And I'm like showing stuff to my editor and to my agent and seeing like which what yeah. they like and what they like. So yeah, I also have, I write a lot of like short stories too. And those are mostly for lit magazines, but I mm-hmm. do want to put them together in a collection. I, I'm told that people don't like short stories as much as novels do. This apparently mm-hmm. is a thing in the publishing industry where like commercially, like people just don't, eat up short story collections as much as novels which yeah. boggles my mind because like social media i feel is short in all our attention spans so i'm like if we have anything we should read yeah you would think <laughs> i don't know women really love novels you know we have a lot of people on that write beach reads and i guess mm-hmm. you know beach reads are huge mm-hmm. but they're still kind of thick enough that you can you know give you something to do over a vacation when you're ignoring your mm-hmm. husband and the kids and they when they're drowning in the water that's not what happens chris don't be dark it's yeah. always comedy but uh, you know i mean women love beach read novels they mm-hmm. love novels you know i mean, it's, it seems to be the consumption that we see on the show and and yeah. um, you know they just they just eat them up people love you know that's why people watch tv movies yeah, um, exactly. entertainment to be entertained her stories you know chris Foss show we always say Stories are the owner's manual life, and just people love them. They need to be entertained because real life is really boring. <laughs> a little bit, and you know, I've always wondered about that. The whole like the people who read. I've been told this too. It probably depends mm-hmm. on genre. So I'm sure like genres like I don't know sci-fi or yeah. mystery, there's probably more male readers. But I have heard over and over again that for a lot of like mainstream genres, just like yeah. commercial fiction. It's mostly women readers. Mm-hmm. Men don't read as much, or like men will read nonfiction way more than they read fiction, and yeah. that has always sort of boggled my mind. I've never quite figured out why. <laughs> like, well, if you yeah, understand, if you understand the penchant for women's romance and and the the guy who always got away or the <laughs> guy they really wanted. 
What's the old Chris Rock saying? The reason your wife's always angry or your girlfriend's always angry at you is because the one she really wanted got away. And so if you understand what a lot of novels are, they're built on that premise of mm-hmm. the guy who got away or the misconnection or the fantasy of what, mm-hmm. you know, what she was an imprint of an alpha male or an alpha widow from when she was young. And so a lot of them go back, you know, it's, it's, it's the same plots of the Lifetime movies, right? Oh, okay. she goes back to the old small town she moved in out of after she went to New York and meets the high school guy who didn't give her the time of day back then but she had a crush on you know it's that okay. sort of thing maybe know. it's just like specific storylines or kind like romance or they're, like- they're kind of yeah it's it's always it's always she meets the old guy that i don't know should have worked out or didn't work out or she had a crush oh, on or okay. you know and sometimes they get along you know if you look at lifetime it's every show is the same plot really when it comes down it's just in a different scenario interesting okay <laughs> and that's why that's why women like it more than men because we just don't we just don't do that romance thing but women love it women love it they love reading all about it and of course you know part of the novels too it takes and that's the way, reason they i used to come home to my girlfriends not my, my girlfriends at the same time the <laughs> my girlfriend and, and her mom uh-huh. And they they have the they'd have the 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 they'd had an ottoman pulled up to the front the front of the TV the big TV and they both be I come in and they both be there crying. No way! Lifetime. Over the yeah, boat? Yeah. yeah, over uh, you know, or they watch be watching Lifetime probably. Oh, from, from okay. Those. And okay. and I and I just be like. I just see the both of them crying and they turn to me and I'd be like, what's going on? He broke her heart. And I would just and leave. I just leave. Wow. And, and you know, part of it is women love that emotional, it's emotional gymnastics, the Olympics mm-hmm. that they go through when they watch, you know, when they read a great novel or they, you know, mm-hmm. or they do the thing. So that, that that's, I think that's why they love it. It's the, it's basically exercising their emotions. Mm-hmm. That's why men don't get into it, but it, it makes it none, nonetheless, you know, very popular and very attractive to women. And yeah. and plus we get great novelists on the show like yourself. And so it makes for great content for us. <laughs> so we're self-serving in that way. Cool. Uh, any final thoughts you want to share out to uh, the people to get them to pick up your book and check it all out? Not really. Other than, than to say that I don't, I didn't actually write this book primarily for like K-pop fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wrote it because I think whether you engage in this music or not, like the fact of the matter is it is changing our cultural landscape in one way or another. And I think that's the most interesting thing about it. You don't have to know anything about BTS or any, any other K-pop band for the matter to realize that like the, the landscape of music is changing and like the globalization of what we listen to what we consume. Mm-hmm. And also the nature of the music industry is changing. And like one of the, the side plots in my, in my book is about like how AI and, and will ultimately sort of shift the way we consume music. And I think we're only starting to see that a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. We have a whole discussion about how, you know, AI generated content is going to be, you know, taking <laughs> over some of the stuff that people are putting out there. So I think that's sort of like for me personally, like I'm not a romance writer. I don't really write or read that much like chick lit. So for me, I think it's. The wait, wait, what, you, what did you call it? Chick? What? Chick lit. Like chick women's, lit? Fiction, women's fiction. Chick, chick, chick. literature? Yeah. <laughs> okay, you got to say that slower, faster. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's true. It yeah. might just sound like I'm saying the dumb. So yeah, I feel like bigger issues about like where society is heading and the dystopian nature of sort of society. I think is mm-hmm. really interesting reasons why you know I wrote this book and and, mm-hmm. and hopefully it comes through. 
There you go. There you go. Well, it was wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been fun and insightful. And then we covered some psychology lessons on novels and, and BTS fandom. So there you go. You got, you got a psychology lesson, folks, and you got a great novel to order up. So thank you very much for coming on, Christine. Thank you. There you go. Thanks, Monis, for tuning in. Order up the book wherever fine books are sold. You can pre-order it today so you can be the first one on your block to see you read it. The Band. The novel comes out April 16th, 2024. Thanks to for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and all the places we are on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.